You are listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim with this podcast is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen and amen. Pastor Mike, we had a good, I thought a good kickoff last week with our podcast. Um, Agreed. A lot of great feedback. Um, I noticed this week you wore something a little bit differently because people were accusing us of dressing alike. You know, I didn't even pay it a didn't even think about it this morning. Yeah, people were saying, are you trying to confuse us with uh, dressing the same way? Um, you're not a sports fan, I found out. I'm not. You told me that whenever you first came here. I was a little bit shocked, a little bit disappointed. Um, I am a sports fan. Yeah, are you into any sports, or have you ever been into sports at all? Or you know? Yeah, like in my high school days, uh, court volleyball and beach volleyball. I was from Florida, so I okay. got into that. I was a, a setter uh, for a team, and yeah. But you like hunting. I do. So while I like sports that have mascots, and you like shooting things that look like mascots. They fit great in the freezer. It's, this is a great... <laughs> this is a great... <laughs> A great way to compliment our gifts here. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but you've been to a sporting event before. I have, yeah. I've okay. been to games. What, what kind of games have you been to before? Uh, football games and college ball games. And I used to go to the, you know, I lived in a in a town that had a D2 college, and they're real big into their sports, and so we would go to the games. And they're a big deal there in those little towns. Yeah. A lot of fun. So, I mean, so you know the excitement and the energy when you have a huge crowd of people. Uh, and let's let's take the illustration of maybe like NFL football or college football, where maybe upwards of 80 to 100,000 people get together and they're all wearing shirts and, and jerseys and hoodies or whatever that support their team. And they're all cheering loudly for their team and they get excited about their team. And it's this thing that binds them together. Yes. Such that when they, even outside of the event of a game, when they get together, uh, they, they're like, oh, I love to talk about, you know, they love to talk about their team, you know, who's playing, who's doing well, who's not doing well, which coach needs to be fired, uh, whatever that looks like. Sounds like a worship service. It, it well, <laughs> it's interesting because uh, you could definitely say, that that there is some parallel there, at least in our own culture. And I'm not saying that when when Christians, uh, you know, like football or they like sports, that they're necessarily committing idolatry. Because mm. I, I I think you can enjoy sports in a, in a God honoring way. Sure. Yes. But the whole idea of a group of people that are united around this common bond, this common cause of this team and the jerseys and the mascots and the colors mm. and the music uh, and the players, um, it does in many ways parallel or it reflects, at least in our culture, what we're supposed to be about as, as a church, as a people of God. Have you ever thought about those parallels before? And that could be applied to a lot of other things besides sports. I have, usually in coy ways. Like uh, last year, it was uh, snowing, and we it was a Sunday morning, and uh, I was getting a lot of texts um, 
encouraging me to cancel the service, you know, uh, or to, you know, I don't actually make those decisions, but to put my voice in to cancel the service. And so I put it on, on social media. Uh, I know it's cold and I know it's snowing. Just pre- pretend it's a Huskers game and, and, and come on to church. Oh. Yeah. So in a coy way, I make those parallels a lot. So you were making lots of friends that morning. Yeah, that was, that. That was a good morning for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's in Nebraska. The, yeah. In Nebraska. Um, kudos to you for your bravery there uh, and your encouragement. Yeah, so last week we talked about what it meant to be sound in faith. And, and I want to really, this episode, kind of launch us into, we're, we're going to launch into a mini-series that's going to be split up, because along the way, like next week's episode, I think we're going to do something a little bit different. But over the course of the weeks and months here, Look at why we do what we do, really thinking about what we said last week, the ordinary means of grace, the ordinary things that God has given us as the people of God to grow in our faith and be sound in faith, and with that, to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right on. And and, and it really brings to, to mind the question this uh, this day as we as we talk about this and, and this is again piggybacking off of last week why do we gather why do we gather Lord's Day after Lord's Day Sunday after Sunday why do we call it the Lord's Day hmm. uh, let me, let's let's talk about that too as we get into it today um, and and why do we you have this worship service that we do together why is that important and critical uh, and let's think about that so you, you know really. Um, Let's just let's just jump right into this. Um, is this whole idea of a period of time where we gather together on a Sunday morning and we sing songs and we pray prayers and we hear the word preached and we fellowship with one another? It, is this kind of like just a, a tradition that we we do? Is this a man made thing that we carry out, or, or is there some kind of biblical precedent for this? Absolutely, there's a biblical precedent. You know, when you read Corinthians, it was assumed that they met on the first day of the week. Mm. You know, uh, when he talks about uh, the church being generous and, and giving to uh, a cause, he said, "When you gather on the first day of the week." You know, so there is a there is already a, a like an assumption made that the people of God would gather on the first day of the week. And as to why we call it the Lord's Day, um, it's you know it's. Uh, it's in the Bible, you know, Revelation. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, you know, and um, now we recognize as Christians that every day belongs to the Lord. You know, every, every, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. You could say that about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, um, Thursday, and yeah, maybe Friday. No, you can on Friday too. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, it's every day of the week, but there's a special sense in which one day of the week we set aside as the people of God, to come together uh, to worship God, to fellowship, to hear the preaching of the Word, and, and those kind of things, to, to, to give us strength and encouragement, um, motivation and correction even, and all of those things as we go about the week. Amen. Yeah, and, and what happened on that first day of the week that is so significant in the lives of Christians? This is kind of a softball question here. Right? Yeah, this no, is... <laughs> I, I love it. You know, in, in Russian, uh, the name for Sunday is Voskresenia. You know, you know that, you speak mm-hmm. Russian. So, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it means Resurrection Day. You yeah. know, like, I, 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 it's, it's in the name in Russian. It's not in English, obviously. Sunday comes from a, a different etymology in English. But 
Um, but but that's that's it. That's it. It's it's the day that the tomb was found empty. Amen. That the Lord uh, was 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 risen from the dead. You know, so uh, it is the resurrection day, and that's 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 why Christians have traditionally gathered on that day. We celebrate the day uh, because our our faith is alive. You know, Jesus is alive, and 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 we gather together on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's so important to keep in mind, and this is one of the things that um, I do value from my Presbyterian brothers being mm. in that denomination for so long. Now, you've got some people in the Reformed camp uh, that are—I um, I, I love them, but I would say they, they go a little bit too far in that we should never celebrate any holiday whatsoever other than Sunday. Sunday is the only holiday that we ever— ever celebrate. And and I'm not obviously in that camp, and I wasn't around Presbyterian brothers necessarily who were in that camp, but the importance of the Lord Day, Lord's Day as a, as a day to celebrate and remember that Christ rose from the dead again and again and again, 52 times a year mm. every time we gather. And of course now we, we celebrate and we love Easter because we remember that the resurrection was an historical moment in time where Christ rose from the dead. And so we do set aside really that time as kind of a special celebration of remembering the resurrection. But every Sunday when we come together, we remember that Christ is alive, that he reigns on high, that he's coming again, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Uh, and it's a wonderful, encouraging truth to us, and we, we, we really don't need to forget that. We need to remember that always, that Christ has risen from the dead when we come together on the Lord's Day, Sunday after Sunday, to worship. Right on. Yeah, good word. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's think together about like the difference between, say, when a group of college students gather to worship on a Thursday night at, you know, in a campus room in the student center or something, or when... Uh, Christians gather in a park on a Saturday afternoon and have a concert, and a lot of worship goes on there. And what's the difference between that and the Lord's Day? Yeah, it, it's gathering, important to remember. The Lord's and, Day and, gathering, and even not not even the not just the gathering, but but even who is doing that. Like if I run into some of my Christian friends at the grocery store and we're standing around you know, looking, you know, trying to pick out fruit, and we start talking about the Lord in high V, which I don't know if that's happened to you or not, but it could happen, yeah. You're, you're talking to your Christian friends, or just a group of you get together and you're singing. How is that different from your church? Yeah, that's what, that, yeah. The, the body to which you belong. And, and that's the important thing that we see in Scripture, is that we, we have this universal use of the word church, or the Greek word is ekklesia, the assembly, the congregation, the church is what we translate it in our English Bibles. Uh, there's a universal sense to that, but we see this use of the word in the local congregation. These are local groups of believers that gather together where you have the authority of the elders, you, you have el elders leading and guiding the flock, you have accountability to one another within the body, this sense of belonging to one another, and gathering for worship, coming together, assembling in this public worship that, we, that they have, where the, the Word is sung, uh, the Word is prayed, the Word is preached, and the Word is seen through the ordinances that are carried out. 
And, and so while it's wonderful that we get together with other Christians at other times to, to fellowship and find encouragement, there is a, a special sense that we see within the New Testament, like you mentioned earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14, where it talks about when you come together, when you come together, there is an assembling that happens where the, the, the gifts and the, the body are on display in a, in a very visible and tangible way that the, that the world can see uh, that we are a distinct people, we are a called-out people, and, and we are here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and spread the good news of the gospel. Yeah, right on. I think it's a great answer. It, it, it all boils down to what is not happening when you just gather with a group of friends and yeah. worship. I mean, I, you know, we don't want to say that... I mean, we, we want to say how good it is when Christians get together at any occasion. I mean, yes. it is good. It's so good. I, I've been on airplanes with, with, with guys and found out they're Christians, and, you know, we had wonderful fellowship around the great truths of the gospel, you know, uh, just really good, really good time, you know. But uh, And then I've gone to college groups and had just a wonderful evening of worship and preaching even, you know, at conferences and, and different things. Um, but what's what's not there is is the difference, and what's not there is the local church. You know, the the gathered local mm. church. You know, uh, so we enjoy those times, and those times are precious, and they could be great gifts from the Lord. Um, but the difference on the Lord's day, and when we gather and we prioritize that time, it's it's because the local church is together. the The group of people who've covenanted together voluntarily to worship the Lord and fellowship together and yeah. submit to. Christ together and hold each other accountable and all of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's there's a distinction when we gather together on the Lord's Day as a local church, as a local congregation. You have the church universal, all Christians everywhere, but the local church is this outpost of God's kingdom. It's it's where we come together and we we are serving Christ together. We are using our gifts to serve others, and they are using their gifts to serve us. We are sharpening and encouraging one another. We're under the preaching of the word. We we share in the accountability, uh, in accountability to one another. With the, the the elders and the pastors of the church, uh, lead and guide and shepherd the flock. Uh, and so there's this wonderful community that is gathered together on the Lord's day when we come together for worship, where we are celebrating uh, this this little taste of heaven, as it were, when we get together. Right on. And it's also one of the things I, I noted in a sermon not long ago is that the church is not a 30-somethings gathering or a 20-somethings mm-hmm. gathering or a, you know, there's no, there's no one demographic that gathers and calls itself the local church. Like the local church is made up of all the demographics that are represented in the body of Christ uh, yeah. in a local context, you know, so we have young and old, we have different ethnicities, we have rich and poor, we have all, all of those come together as a family in the body of Christ mm-hmm. and we meet on. So so you might gather for you know I went to a I went to a meeting the other day with um with all widows, widows in the church. And that was a very specific mm-hmm. demographic there. We and we you know I I taught some scripture and and things like that, but um but that wasn't the church. That was just a little small section yeah. of the church. You, you, you know, the church is bigger. That's a glorious thing to have a demographic together and you know, but the church is made up of widows and married and you know, uh, single people before, you know, it's just mm-hmm. every demographic, every situation in life, every, you know, young, old, all of that together, the body of Christ. Yeah, and it's it's a glorious thing to see people of, of different backgrounds 
uh, different ages, different stages of life, married, unmarried, uh, even different ethnicities. People with hair, people without hair. People, with, yeah, people with beards, people, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is. But you know, coming together, and I, I don't want to take the illustration too far, but it's when we come together like that on the Lord's Day, and we're rejoicing in the goodness of Jesus Christ, and we're submitting to His authority, and we're we're rejoicing in His resurrection. It's it's like we're putting on the jersey. Yeah, it's good. You know, and um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean we need to be doing backflips and jumping up and down and screaming and yelling. You know, when the pastor makes a good point, maybe we should. I don't know. Um, you get some uh, touchdowns in your sermon, but uh, dump a cooler of Gatorade on <laughs> on the preacher after he preaches. We well. get yeah. Next time you make a really good point in your sermon, we're going to dump a gallon of Looking Gatorade. Looking forward to that. Yeah, there we go. All right, so our philosophy behind Gathered Worship. Yeah, Shall why do we do it here at Faith? What is our philosophy, Mike? Well, we, you and I uh, spent some time together talking, and um, we, we were thinking about the kind of tone that we wanted to set and uh, those kind of things. Not that the, the tone was uh, not this before, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just us thinking about how we want to do it, you mm. know. And we, we came up with the slogan, and I, I think it's more than a slogan, but we came up with the slogan, Seriously Joyful and Joyfully Serious. And uh, maybe maybe I'll let you unpack that a little bit. Like, why did we go? Why don't you unpack one side, and I'll do the other? Why seriously joyful? Yeah, because of the very reasons we've just mentioned. the The truth of the gospel is glorious. Mm. It is just incredible when we think about it and meditate upon it. When we consider our own lives, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins that we were at enmity with God, that we were sinners, we were rebels against Him, yep. and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. We who in our, in our sinful flesh hated Him sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sins. When we ponder that great truth, I, even in the most dire of circumstances in our lives, even in the most, even in the darkest times, there is cause to rejoice right. in our heavenly hope, in our inheritance that cannot be taken away, in our adoption as sons and daughters. And so even through tears at times for believers, there is that hope that they can hold on to when we gather for worship that we're redeemed. We we have a heavenly home that we are looking forward to. We we will be in the presence of our God, and so we want to be seriously joyful when we gather. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Yeah. So there's there's a joy that we want to we want we want people to see on us. We mm-hmm. want we want it, we want it to be known. But we also say joyfully serious. Yeah. Why and do we say that, Pastor I, Mike? We say that because we don't want to set. You know, I think people confuse joy with chipperness mm. or joy with uh, just smileyness. That's not a word, but you know, yeah. it, you, you know what I mean. Like I think we we confuse joy for things that much lighter, much much more surfacey, um, and 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 it, it could be easy to try to set the tone always in the church as if there's nothing wrong ever with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like we, we you know we 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 have no problems, no suffering. Uh, no, no things like that, but um, we want to be joyfully serious. So with that joy, we don't want to be morose. We don't want to be, you know, melancholic. We're joyful in the Lord, 
but these are deep, serious truths, and life is serious, and and all of that comes together on the Lord's Day as we encourage one another. Yeah. So there's a there's a joyfulness about it, and there is a seriousness about it. You know, and God is holy. God yes. is God is awesome, and we we come before Him with reverence, you know, and with joy, but yeah. but with reverence, and so. Um, so you won't find a lot of um, goofiness. Uh, I, I hope. I, I pray that um, people won't find that kind of goofiness among us. I, I pray that we we push back against that because that's a that's a thing in our day. You know, people have, have tended to like goofiness, uh, yeah. and and we want to push back from that and but not be morose. You know, so the balance I think is seriously joyful and joyfully serious. There, there's a, a weightiness when you think about. We are, we are coming together as the people of God to worship the Almighty God and Sovereign Creator of heaven and Amen. earth. Amen, yes. And, and so there should be a sense of awe and wonder. You know, the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, and, yeah. and as Christians, we're not, we're not fearing His judgment, but there is just a power and a might and an awesomeness that, that should be overwhelm us in a sense when we come into his presence and we're worshiping him together as the people of God. So yeah, being being joyfully serious is is important. Uh we we don't want to be silly. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and 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 uh and goofy like you said in worship when we come together. Yeah. So for sake of time, let's 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 walk through kind of the elements that we do um briefly. Um but maybe some thoughts behind it of why we do what we do and not do other things. So elements of our corporate worship. Yeah. Well, what we want to do, and there's there's a um there's a doctrine out there that I, I think you and I both hold to, uh, but let me let's clarify and define it because it's called the regulative principle of worship. Mm-hmm. Now there are some that take that doctrine and I think take take it too far. In the extremes, there there are brothers and sisters out there who believe you shouldn't because you don't see. Uh, well, let me define it first. Regulative principle of worship is we worship God according to how He has revealed Himself in Scripture and instructs us to worship Him, whether that be by explicit command or implied from the text, as we see the pattern of worship done in the New Testament in the church. Um, there are some who would say, okay, because we don't explicitly see instruments being used in the New Testament, and, and it's said, you know, to, to, to use pianos or guitars or strings, whatever, in your worship, we don't do that in our worship, so we only sing psalms a cappella. Uh, I think that's going beyond what this doctrine teaches, uh, but I do believe that we are called to worship God according to how He has revealed Himself. And the four primary ways we see that in the New Testament are preaching and reading the Word when we gather, praying the Word when we gather, uh, singing the Word when we gather, and seeing the Word. And and those are defined as the the ordinances of baptism in the Lord's Supper. So I was thinking maybe we could kind of unpack those just briefly here yep. with the understanding I think in the coming days we we're going to unpack those even further why we we do what we do sing the songs we sing all of those things so you know preaching the word or reading the word and I'm kind of combining those together you know why why do we do that when we gather on the Lord's day and have corporate worship together why is that kind of really the centerpiece of our time together I think it's just cuz we've always done it there's no real <laughs> no I'm just kidding yeah. You heard it right here, folks. <laughs> I, 
I think it's because the Word of God is God's Word to us, and it's the one time of week where we can get together and um, and and really as a church, as a local church, and and hear the Word um, proclaimed, expounded, um, unpacked. You know all mm-hmm. the all the words we want to use, so that we might be a people who are centered around God's Word. You know, there's a sense in which we want to hear God speak. You know, we want to hear God speak to us as a, as a people, you know, and, but we believe that God has spoken, that God has spoken very clearly through mm-hmm. his word. And, you know, you, you, I was in your class, the, um, the Faith Explorer, the new members class here at Faith Baptist Fellowship, and uh, you quoted Albert Moeller when he said, you know, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak out loud, uh, read the Bible out loud. And there's, that's very true. And yeah. so... So there's a sense in which when we gather, um, we cannot not do that. We cannot not hear God speak. We have to, we have to give that time, and we put that right at the center because it's God, Creator of the universe, our yeah. Savior, and so we, yeah, the, the preaching takes center stage because God is center stage in all of our worship, uh, and and this is the way that God has spoken to us primarily is through His Word, and so that's why preaching has taken such a important it takes such an important place in the life of the local church it's really the basis for why we're doing everything else right. it's we want to be rooted and grounded in sound doctrine we want to be sound in the faith or sound in faith uh to to quote from from Titus chapter 2 there and so for that very reason we make the reading and and preaching of the word and to that I would even add the listening the hearing the yeah. word there's two parts to preaching is yeah it, it is as the really the 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 center point of our gathered worship, because that's where, where we are rooted and grounded. That's the basis for everything else that we're doing. And to put it another way, it's not everything we do on a Sunday morning, but it shapes everything that we yes. do on a Sunday morning. It's not everything that we do as a local church or are as a local church, but it shapes everything that we do and are as a local church. Like, it is the Word of God that, that directs all of those things. Yeah. You, you know, the, the reason why we are involved in missions you know, um, it's because the Bible t- tells us so, you, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, like, everywhere we go, it's the Scriptures that help us to see that. And so, yeah, preaching, center point of, of, of why we do it. So um, you lead worship on most Sundays. Yeah. Um, why, why do we do that, and why do we spend so much time uh, singing? Yeah, we sing the Word. I mean, God's Word calls us to uh, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We could go to Colossians three sixteen. Uh, we could go to Ephesians chapter five. Those are those are critical commands in the scriptures. God's people in the Old Testament were a singing people. Yes, and in the New Testament, we are also called to be a singing people. And and when we say we sing the word, uh, what we mean by that is that. It doesn't mean every song that we sing is a direct paraphrase of Scripture, or it doesn't mean all of our songs are scriptural, Scripture songs or all of our songs are based upon the Psalms. I, I do think we're called to sing the Psalms, and we strive to do that here at Faith, but we, we sing what is true, mm. what is rooted and grounded in biblical truth. I mean, just like when we say to you, Pastor Mike, preach the Word, well, that doesn't mean you only stand up there and just read the Scripture. It means you expound upon what is there. You explain what is there uh, in your own words, but you're striving to make everything that you say in accord with, accord with Scripture, to be scriptural. And so in the same way, the songs that we sing here at Faith, 
uh, we strive to examine them and say, is this a scriptural song? Is this based upon God's Word? And, and for that reason, there are songs we, we don't sing here at Faith. Um, and this is no harsh criticism necessarily of the authors that have written them, because maybe there are instances where there's a song that expresses something in a very, very loose poetic way, and, and you understand what the artist is trying to get at in that, in that expression, but it is not something that's appropriate really for corporate gathered worship, where the people of God want to be clearly confessing and expressing truth together. Um, and, and so that's something very important that we do here at Faith, is we, we strive to examine uh, what we sing and, and make sure that it is based and rooted in, in Scripture. Mm. Good word, yeah. good word. So let me, let's, uh, I don't know, do, do you want to keep going with the elements? Or can yeah, we just let's back just up? briefly okay, touch yeah. upon them, because we'll go ahead and, you know, why do we pray the Word, and what does that mean when we say we pray the Word? Yeah, so uh, we, we, the preaching of the Word is God speaking to us, and um, it, the relationship with God between his his church and you know it's a two way street. We t- we talk to him, and so we we pray to him. Now the scriptures give guidance and direction and form to the way that we pray. Mm. You, you know, and so and so we 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 certainly pray. You know, it doesn't again just like just like the other elements in the way that you mentioned with preaching isn't just reading the Bible, singing the word isn't just singing uh, scripture verses. You know, there's. Um, we sing the truths of Scripture, and yeah. sometimes uh, they're framework truths, even you know, and and that's the way it is with prayer too. We we do sometimes pray Scripture. We we pray a Psalm to the Lord, you know, and that's good to do. Um, I think those things are meant for that, you know, uh, or we we pray in the likeness of of how Paul prayed in in say the Book of Philippians, you know. There's a, a, a lovely prayer there. Um, but it's also just the way we talk to God, and the Scriptures are what guide the way that we do that. And so we spend an awful lot of time praying as a church, and I love that. I love yeah. that we are a culture. We have a culture. Um, uh, you know, uh, the Lord really—I know it wasn't just Him, but the Lord really blessed the ministry of Pastor Dana Olson yes. here, and and how he has uh, used that brother to establish a a uh, a strong ethos of prayer mm. among us and we pray we pray the word we pray longer than i've experienced in many churches mm-hmm. you know and i love it and i think it's a, a good gift from the lord can can i just share a quick testimony and this is a little bit more of a lighthearted story so those of you here at the church know that when pastor dana moved out of his office down the hall there um uh i i actually ended up moving into that office it has a little bit more bookshelf space bigger desk and uh you know, I moved in there, and and for the last four years when I served here with Pastor Dana, um, I would say some of my fondest memories of that room were sitting there and praying with Pastor Dana, mm. or walking past that door and seeing him praying. And I know that room, I'm, I'm not one who believes in some kind of mystical, you know, sacred spaces or something like that, but it's just, it, it there's a fond memory associated with that with that room being a place of prayer. Mm. And uh, it's, you know, as I sit in there now doing what I'm doing, I, I find myself thinking about that, and, and, and in a strange way, actually being more inclined to pray. <laughs> um, and, and again, not, not any kind of mystical sense of the room is filled with, you know, prayers and the walls or something like that, but, but just thinking about um, the discipline of prayer that he he had in his own personal life and his desire to build that culture here at faith uh, has been very impactful. That's really good. Yeah. 
So you want to keep going with the elements? Yeah, let's just what let's just yep. touch on this last one, and it's seeing the word, mm-hmm. which is uh, when we say we see the word, it's the ordinances that God has given us, and we'll unpack this more in a later episode. But when we see someone baptized, we're seeing a depiction of of death, burial, and resurrection, as Christ died and went down into the grave and was raised again. So too we we die to our old selves, and we're raised again to new life in Christ. And so that's a, a beautiful display of that. We do that here as occasion, uh, as, as occasion dictates. And then we see the Word through the elements of the Lord's Supper, so the bread in the cup, the body and the blood of Christ. Uh, just a word about baptism. I, I think November 12th we're going to have a baptism yeah. here, Bates. So if you're listening to this and you haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism, um, I think you should. And uh, we can talk to you about that. We'd love to. But yeah, so so much of the gospel at work in our lives is spiritual. So much of it is unseen. A lot of it is seen, though, mm, right? A yeah. lot of it is seen. And two visible expressions, purposely visible expressions in the church, uh, are baptism and the Lord's Supper, yeah. where we, 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 we just we celebrate the gospel uh, in a visible way. I want to make one encouragement yep. to our listeners, especially the people at our church, but if you're listening and you're not part of Faith Baptist, you go to a church somewhere... It is oftentimes said, you know, people will say, we, we have the worship portion of the service, and then we have the preaching portion. Think of the entire service as worship. Amen. Not just the singing. Right on. Because we're worshiping God through singing. We worship Him when we pray. We worship Him when we listen to the Word and read the Word. And we worship Him when we either take the elements of the Lord's Supper or are baptized, or see someone baptized. The whole service is a service of worship, and and we really need to think in those terms when we gather. We're here to worship God through all of these elements. So I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but um, I I do want to talk about like our view towards gathered worship. Mm. And what I mean is, um, you know, on the one hand, there's people who say, you know, you, you shouldn't be legalistic and insist that everyone come to church every Sunday. Like, come on, you know. And then on, I mean, maybe there's not two sides. Maybe maybe there's that side and the side that that I'm on. You know, that I think we should be gathered together whenever we. Are can. you about to ask a little bit of a spicy question here? I think so. Like, yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, not just online though. I'm thinking, like, what about when you travel? What about when you like? What should our posture be towards gathered worship as believers? Uh, that's in general. But then maybe we can segue into, you know, how should we view online worship? Yeah. You know. Gathered worship, I think, is indispensable to the life of a Christian. Amen. Personally, in-person gathering. Now, I, I always feel like we need to preface this, and I hope nobody uh, takes offense when I, when I say this, but the norm is gathering in person. Ga- watching online, listening to the sermon later, should be the exception. And it's when you're providentially hindered, when you're sick, when you're traveling at times, when there are situations that arise where people can't personally be in worship. But that is not what God's Word calls us to. You know, we, we referenced uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14, this long section in the New Testament on gathered worship. And again and again, we see this phrase, when you come together, when you come together. Uh, it is critical that we be together in person as the people of God on a regular basis because it's how we use our gifts to serve one another and to be served, 
to, to pray for one another, hold one another accountable. If you're watching at home online just because it's more convenient, you are missing out on the smiles, the tears, the hugs, the, the, the looking around the room and seeing other people testify to God's goodness in their life or cry out to Him. Uh, we were meant to be together. That's what, the, that's what that word ecclesia means. It's the assembly. And, and you can't assemble when, when you're sitting behind a screen. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the time during COVID when we weren't able to gather has kind of lent itself to some people not returning in person to church anymore. Uh, and, and, and I think you, you're missing out. Yeah. You're, you're, you're really hurting yourself. I agree with all of that. I, I would just say that there's another sense in which we miss out, and that is when we take church so lightly that any, any excuse that comes up, we mm. just decide, you know, I, I don't want to go to church today because I've got this event going on, I've got this thing going on, or, you know, we, we, don't, we don't sense the urgency of it. You know what's mm. interesting? What's interesting is in the aftermath of 9-11, I was in Russia, but um, I talked to pastors in the States uh, in the aftermath of 9-11. Churches were full. Yeah. You know, and, and the reason why is because people realize we have to be together. Yeah. You know, so I think we get to this place where we're not sensing the urgency, the day, you know, approaching as well. Mm. And, and we don't feel the necessity to gather, you know. And so um, well, somebody has said, um, I know it's uh, kind of um, cheeky, but somebody has said church ought to be the um, excuse we use for missing everything else. Ooh. You know, and I think that's right. You know, yeah. when, 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 we, when we understand what church is and when we understand this world and the groaning and all of that, 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 that our day brings about, and we're going to get to that in a moment, like uh, a particular groaning from a question from a listener, but um, we just know there's an urgency about being together. Yeah. And I, I fear that um, we take it too lightly. Let, uh, let, I'll share a quick testimony about that. This was many years ago. Uh, I preached a sermon at a church where we were part of, and and I kind of mentioned this very thing that make gathered worship with the people of God on the Lord's Day a priority in your life, right? Such that y- you will cancel all other plans uh, if if you can, you know, unless there's some extreme emergency or something like that. Um, make that a priority in your life. And um, this one young couple kind of kind of responded a little bit negatively, uh, and it was just recently that uh, we encountered them again, and they talked about how they did begin to reorient their lives around gathering on the Lord's Day, and now it is a priority, and just how much they have flourished. They've seen God grow them in their spiritual life, uh, making that a priority in their life, and how they, they've now... They believe that. They, they want to be with God's people, such that in situations when we do travel as a family and, you know, we're staying over in a vacation spot or something on a Sunday, you know, I'm, I'm online. We're trying to find a church of faithful believers that we can just go be with. Yeah. And it may not be our church family, but we want to see a family dynamic somewhere and, and be with those believers on the Lord's Day, because that's, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, they might be cousins. Yeah, right? cousins. These are our spiritual family. cousins. Yeah. Extended family. Yeah. All right. So the que- so a question. Are we are we good with going on? To yeah, the- I think we're good to move on. Yeah. We can. We're going to talk about this more in future episodes. But I think it's time to uh, move on to our listener questions. This is our question music now. 
I like it. I like it. So this question comes in from Amy Dinsmore. And Amy actually shut down the conversation on on my Facebook feed for, for this. Uh, I asked for questions, and she offered her question, and then everyone just liked her question. Like, mm. uh, they all voted for it. So this question had to come in. So thank you, Amy. You, you win. You win, Amy. You win, yeah. Uh, and we're paraphrasing her question, but this is, this is about what she asked. She says, what do the events in Israel have to do with biblical prophecy and the end times? And what should be the Christian's response? Good question, Amy. Thank you for posing that. To us, yeah, this is a big question. How much time do we leave ourselves? We're Not much. Good. We, no, we need to we need to roll pretty quick on it. But yeah, we can. It's a good question that I think needs a little bit of time for our people because this is timely. It is. You know, we're we're in uh, day five of the conflict in Israel, and uh, you know we've we've heard of uh, horrible atrocities uh, in the last couple of days that have happened. Um, babies massacred. Mm-hmm. Uh, just horrible, horrible things happening. So how do we as Christians respond? Do you want to go first, or you want me to... I want you to go first, okay. because I've already gotten a little bit of a preview of what you're going to say, and I, and I love it, and oh. I love it. I'm full full agreement with it. Yeah, so um, I think it's a big question. Yeah. I, You know, when we, when we think about biblical prophecy, um, and, and what this has to do with biblical prophecy, um, I think there's a few things I'd like to say about it. One... Um, Wars and rumors of wars and all of those things, uh, they they point us to uh, the consummation of all things. Like mm-hmm. it, you, you know, these things are the groaning that Paul talks about. You know, all of creation groaning together. Um, it, it, so there is a sense in which it does point to that. It does point to that. Now, I fear getting too specific with our predictions, and I, I fear getting too pre- too specific with our thinking about any given historical moment. Um, and yeah, I, I brought a chart. I, I thought we yeah. could line everything up perfectly. The no. reason I fear that is because of the Lord's words uh, in Acts. Um, so in Acts 1, the, you know, he, he, this is not, you think about the culmination of times, like, the, mm. like, like big times, big things happening in Israel. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had been crucified, and he rose from the dead, and he was walking around with his disciples. So, so big things were going on, and, and they had witnessed uh, really incredible things. And so uh, this is Acts 1, 6. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, and he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I know that this answer is not going to be satisfying to a lot of people um, because they want specifics. They want they and what they want to hear is this is a sign that, you know, very specific things in prophecy are being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer is I think we should um I think this should fuel our urgency for for the gospel, mm. for living the Christian life, for gathering as Christians, and I'll yeah. talk about that in a moment, yeah. like, you know, why we should gather as Christians. Um, but I don't know that we should look at this and say, okay, this means such and such from the book of Daniel or from the book of Revelation. Um, I, I think what this means is that, uh, yeah, we are, we, are, we are heading that direction, you know, yeah. you know the... the, the and, and Lord, please, we we want you to come back. We come, Lord Jesus. The, these ought to draw up from us a cry of Lord, come. Yeah, Lord, come. But they shouldn't 
cause us to be stargazers. Like these guys were standing up, staring into heaven later in a few moments. And the angel says down to them, why are you staring up here? This same Jesus will come again. And, and his word to them was, go be about the business that God has given you to do. And I think Christians get very distracted. We yeah. get very distracted when we start thinking about the timing and the events and the, you, you, you know, trying to, trying to read the tea leaves of, of, of when, when certain events are, uh, of biblical prophecy are going to happen, when Jesus said it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which mm-hmm. the Father has fixed in his own authority. So, Christian, I think we should look at this, uh, and this is just one side of it. There's more thinking about Israel that I think we need to talk about. Um, but, but, f- but for this, I think we need, to, we need to say, okay, we don't know. We don't know what this ultimately means, right. you know, but we do know that we want our Lord to come. He is the Prince of Peace, and when He comes, He will establish peace. And I think Christians should be praying for Israel. I think this is a, a horrible, horrible thing that has happened um, to them. And make no mistake, there is an aggressor in this, and there is those who are being aggressed against, and it is very, very clear in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we need to pray. We need to pray that, um, that the aggression stops and that peace reigns. Yeah. And, in, and in, I'm, I'm going to add this too, we need to be praying for the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And, and because we, we are called not to hate our enemies, right on. but to love, love our enemies— and, and in loving them, we just like we want to see uh, Jews come to know Jesus Christ, the Messiah, so we want to see Palestinians come to know Christ as the Messiah and, and believe in Him and be brought into that family of God. Now, mind you, I'm not saying we, we, uh, we, we love what Hamas is doing, okay? You, no. you, you made it very clear. There is an aggressor here. There is profound evil being done but, but there are also uh, really millions of Palestinian people who I think ultimately want no part in this conflict, who, who themselves need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, have, we ourselves have had friends who have been missionaries to that part of the world over the years and have sought to take the gospel. And there are brothers and sisters who live in these areas, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so in this conflict, uh, we need to be in prayer. Yes. And we need to be pleading with the Lord uh, to do His good work of, of salvation in the lives of people uh, as the gospel is spread. And, you know, every time the Bible talks about eschatology, uh, and it talks about it a lot, you know, the end times, when we, we talk about it, uh, the thrust is always encourage one another, gather together, yeah. one, be about the work of the Lord. And that's that's what these things ought to lead us to do. We are in the last days. We are, you know, we... we Paul said it, you know, these are these days are upon us, you know. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says it. So in Hebrews 10... Um, 10.25? Yeah, 10.25, it says, um, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son, but, but encouraging one mm. another. Listen to this. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if you look at these things and you see, man, the day is drawing near, and you might be right... Um, what should that do? That should encourage you to be urgent about being together as Christians, about doing the work that God has given us to do, about um, uh, urgent in prayer, urgent in evangelism, urgent in mission. Um, but yeah, this, these things, ought to, they ought to create in us a, a deep longing for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that ties right into what we've been talking about. It does. Because when we gather together on the Lord's Day, when we gather, gather together as the people of God, uh, you know, we, we celebrate 
the goodness of God. We celebrate the gospel. We're reminded that God is sovereignly in control of all things Amen. and that he has an ultimate plan that Christ is coming again, coming again. And so, you know, as you, as you find yourself troubled about the events of our world, we, we need to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For Christ is, uh, for we have died and our life is hidden with Christ and God, to quote uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Awesome. So we have this hope uh, and the importance of that in, in gathered worship is it just cannot be overstated. Amen. Good work. Any, any final words, Pastor Mike? No, let's get together this Sunday. Yeah, let's get together. We encourage you to join us here at Faith Baptist Fellowship. If you're in Sioux Falls, you're not a part of our church. We're at the corner of uh, Western and Minnesota. We'd love to have you, 8.30 or 11 o'clock, for the Sound in Faith podcast. I'm Pastor Thomas. And I'm Pastor Mike. And we'll see you on Sunday.